Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The rural areas outside St. Louis span the Mississippi River. People in small towns and unincorporated areas in both Illinois and Missouri face many health challenges. In that, they have more in common with city dwellers and hardscrabble zip codes than the suburbanites between them. Both groups don't always have good access to health care. They have higher rates of obesity and other health conditions. Dr. Samir Vohra leads the Department of Population Science and Policy at Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. He's also its founding chairman. He and his colleagues are focused on improving the lives of people in southern and central Illinois. And he says that COVID-19 has made that mission more urgent than ever. And he joins us today to talk about it. Dr. Vora, welcome to the show. Sarah, pleasure to be here today. So what were some of the biggest health-related challenges faced by the people you serve before we'd ever even thought about the coronavirus? You know, we... We think about health in rural areas, I think similar to the way that we think about health in certain uh, certain areas in the cities too, is that there are disparities and sort of disparities in the way that, that people live that, that results in a sicker rural and kind of underserved uh, areas. And that leads to higher rates of smoking, mm-hmm. obesity, child poverty, teen pregnancies compared to those urban counties. Has the pandemic changed um, some of those areas of particular focus for you? You know, I think when we think, I think more generally, um, and and there was a report that came out of the Rural Policy Research Institute at the University of Iowa, that, you know, in in late May 2020, 6.9% of cases of all COVID cases were in rural areas, 4.5% of deaths were in rural counties. and so it doesn't seem, I think, from a from a large canvas, uh, a large number. But I think what we've seen is that the challenges in getting health care and then those longstanding disparities have only gotten worse because of the pandemic and then the resulting sort of economic challenges that have gone with it. Hmm. That does make sense. And, and you mentioned this overall study, the percentage of, of cases that were in rural areas. Have there been many cases in the area you serve in rural Illinois? I think that we have seen um, sort of pockets of cases emerge, especially in long-term care facilities, mm. in, in sort of meat processing plants, and other areas where you get that one case that can spread very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then Partly when an individual gets sick and, and those COVID cases um, grow, often the lack of healthcare services, and especially specialty healthcare services, lead to challenges in providing that best and comprehensive care to make them better. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're um, you're focused on the Illinois side of the river, and our producer Evie Hemphill talked to Audrey Goff to get a perspective on the Missouri side of the river. Now, Audrey is the health director for Shelby County, Missouri. That's about an hour west of Quincy, um, but of course on the Missouri side. Audrey's a registered nurse. She's been with Shelby County's health department for 34 years. In recent months, she's been focused on education surrounding public health issues related to the coronavirus. And we asked Audrey whether she's observed any misconceptions like like the idea that the coronavirus just hasn't even touched rural America. And here's what she said. Yes. Um, and, and that and that goes both ways from the, the uh, urban areas thinking we should all go, we should all go out to the country because the COVID-19 is not out there. And then from my perspective here in the community, you know, I have a large, you know, there's several within the community who think, 
well, it's not here, so we can go out and do whatever we want. But I keep reemphasizing with them, it is here. It has been here. It's probably been here before we ever knew it. Um, the thing that we're seeing is that symptomology-wise, um, we're not seeing the severity that they have first saw that, you know, when they first starting having all the cases, especially in the urban areas of, you know, rapid onset and quickly on a ventilator and some even dying. So we've not seen it to that degree. Um, it is beginning to pick up in numbers in some of my surrounding counties because they are doing the boxed in testing that's showing in those um, congregate working facilities, they're seeing a large, they're beginning to see the numbers grow. And that again is Shelby County Health Director Audrey Goff. And she told us uh, that limited testing capability remains um, a big challenge in her county. I know the governor has put a big emphasis on ramped up testing and anybody in the state of Missouri can get tested, but there's still some barriers to that thought process out here in the rural areas because yes, in the next two weeks, they're going to do a lot of testing with those mobile sites with the National Guard, but those are in the urban areas and folks from up in my area are not going to drive two hours to get a free test. And, and when they announce those at the first of the week, they're, all those sites are already full. So um, we're, it's still an ongoing issue. We're working with the Department of Health and Senior Services and trying to figure out ways to open it up and, and have providers feel comfortable going ahead and testing people, even though they might not meet specific criteria that we had to utilize at the beginning of this due to lack of supplies. And that is Shelby County, Missouri Health Director Audrey Goff. Now, Dr. Vora, I know that as much as these rural areas of, uh, in Illinois and Missouri have a lot of things in common, we have very different state governments. Um, I'm wondering if limited testing capability is also a problem um, in rural Illinois, the way that Audrey is describing it in Missouri. You know, our our governor, I think, has made um, a, a very strong push to, to make testing as rapidly available as possible. However, I, I do think at times it's just how do you get to that test center? And, and one of the, the main things in the way that we you know, view rural communities is that we take health as kind of a foundational piece to understand a lot of the social and then sometimes, you know, political issues that go into somebody being healthy mm -hmm. is that even though access might be available if you can seek it, not everybody can seek it for issues that, that think about poverty, for culture, and, and other reasons of how do you engage individuals and communities to use their resources, to get access to those resources, and in doing it in a way that speaks to you know, their personal beliefs and the beliefs of their communities. Hmm. Do you see that this this uh, COVID-19 crisis, uh, do you see it exacerbating issues like, say, poor nutrition, a lack of broadband access, some of these other things that it can be a problem in rural America? Yeah, I think we, we have. And I think one of the concerns for us, um, you know, having done sort of a, a sort of concentrated effort in in rural Illinois to think through policy recommendations on a variety of issues that, that span from you know, specific diseases such as uh, nutrition and fitness or 
um, you know, mental health opioids, but then also thinking about the, those social issues like economic development and health or caring for the aging population that, you know, food insecurity is becoming a, a bigger problem in rural areas. We're also seeing kind of the viability of healthcare facilities there lose money as although, um, you know, the, the pandemic has come, some of the uh, elective procedures, et cetera, that they do that create revenue have, have gone down. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the mental health challenges that have been driving many of the concerns around the opioid epidemic, uh, the social isolation of seniors, you know, those things are getting worse um, as the pandemic and the anxiety of it grows. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. And I also find myself wondering about how that pans out in Illinois, if that's different than in Missouri. Um, in Missouri, uh, legislators who represent rural areas, um, if anything, are somewhat dominant at the state house. But I imagine sometimes you guys feel like an afterthought to Chicago. Is is that a perception? And if, if so, is it a realistic perception? You know, so I spent um, my youth in Chicago and, and had kind of been a practicing pediatrician there before um, I moved here to Springfield and, and took on this job to think about uh, the rural and small city counties in Illinois. And, and I think part of it is just not understanding, you know, the nuances and the differences between the communities. I think one of the things that when I'm talking to colleagues and friends in Chicago is that there are a lot of similarities between disparities that happen in rural areas and the disparities that happen in more underserved communities in the inner city. And if we can focus on those similarities, I think we can move forward on public policy issues that can be beneficial for people who live all across different geographies. Mm -hmm. What's one public policy issue where you see that commonality and and you'd like to to really see a focus in the coming months? You know, I think... um, Part of that uh, for me, uh, and, and I'd say this sort of as a pediatrician and always thinking about, you know, the future and sort of the development and building those brighter futures for children and families, is that I think one of the big stressors that come in in rural and underserved uh, communities is that often children that are facing tough socioeconomic circumstances face these adverse childhood experiences. And those lead to trouble in school. Those lead to earlier high risk kind of health riskier behaviors and then lead to earlier often disease and then sometimes even life expectancy. Hmm. And sort of a combination focus to think through some of those challenges to build um, deeper practices, invest in those communities that can build child friendly cities or build brighter futures for children and do them in innovative ways that take on culture uh, and then those social and political issues that are involved in those communities, I think could make a great difference across all of Illinois and across all of Missouri. And those seem like some some great issues where you could really find some consensus. But I was intrigued by something you said. You mentioned that you are from Chicago. And I wonder if it's hard to, to sort of ensure that you're having these conversations with rural people and not just about them. Is that something that, um, that is you guys are working on, working on these issues that is sort of foremost in your mind? Yeah, I think it is all, It is often the number one issue. And mm-hmm. part of it is the great thing about the way SIU School of Medicine is built and, and our Department of Population Science and Policy is built. It's about community-driven solutions. And many times, even before we even think about how to approach a problem, you know, we joke often that we have almost like these listening tours that, that politicians often say in communities is because 
action doesn't happen without trust. And, and part of it is to sort of trust that, you know, we are in a, a diverse group of people with a lot of expertise and talent, but that we don't come in feeling like we know the answers. The answers have to come from communities themselves and, and often focusing on issues that are ripe for change, issues that can involve a lot of trust, but trust is the key and trust takes time. And I think part of it is that knowing that if we want to embark on hard solutions in our society, in rural communities, but also in, in I think, you know, big cities, um, we have to start in that shared trust and knowing that challenges will be hard. But if we put in, you know, our efforts together and, and do it with courage and perseverance, uh, that things can get better. Uh, but they might uh, take some time and, and a lot of continued effort. And do you feel like you're at a point right now where you've you've earned some goodwill as as we've been in this crisis in recent months? People were willing to trust you because of all that work you put in even before it. Yeah, I think that has been part of the way that we've been able to kind of, you know, branch out our efforts um, and knowing that, again, the, the solutions have to be built from communities because for us, it's about sustainable solutions. And, and the only way you sustain it is that if a community believes in what's going to happen uh, and move that forward. And I think the, the many years of trust that we've done as we've built this, this new and kind of growing department over the last uh, four years um, is the sense that with that trust, uh, we can begin making change happen. I also read, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, are you guys serving 66 counties with this, this initiative? That just seems like you've got so many different stakeholders. That's, that's got to be a huge group of people to deal with. Yeah, the, the beauty of, the, of Southern Illinois University School of Medicine was when it was chartered, uh, we're celebrating our 50-year anniversary as a medical school this year, is that it was chartered to sort of provide a workforce for those 66 counties in Central and Southern Illinois. Hmm. When we launched the department, we wanted to make that sort of our regional focus, that although it means, you know, a lot of different conversations and a lot of different people, um, you know, we're ready to kind of have those conversations with different groups from public health departments to hospital leadership to school teachers to community leaders to really come together to say that not, you know, we, we want to sort of paint these broad buckets that say, you know, all of rural is the same, but every community is different with different stakeholders, different leaders, and how do we capture that? And, and that means a lot of travel for us uh, along a two you know, 2.2 million people live in those 66 counties. Hmm. It's 32,000 square miles. But I think part of that is that trust allows being present. And, and we want to be present in our communities um, to learn from them and then work with them to, to make change and make a difference along creating programs and policies that make a difference and then working to sustain them through, uh, you know, bigger policy change. Hmm. Um, so previously, we played some sound from Audrey Goff, uh, that's Shelby County, Missouri's health director. And I want to go back to something from her. We asked her what she wants people to, to know right now about rural communities um, during these challenging times. We've had comments made by the, by, I know, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and um, different urban areas that have indicated that, you know, we were simple-minded and we were not able to make you know, that this was going to come and overwhelm us. Well, we are prepared. We are a community that has always been prepared in regards to taking care of one another and being supportive in regards to meeting those needs. And, and in my county especially, we work together. Um, people have 
have welcomed me to to confer with them in regards to how can we best do this i don't want to do this wrong i don't want to make anyone sick and um, i can't say enough about the businesses and the um, leadership of our county in regards to including us in that conversation so that we provide a safe environment for people to try and have as much of a normal life as they can. And that's Audrey Goff of Shelby County, Missouri. And for the record, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch did not say that rural people were simple-minded. That was something the Missouri governor picked up from the headline given to a Post-Dispatch story by a third-party website. But Audrey did a great job of kind of describing this resolve and that people sort of, um, you know, uh, rolled up their boots and, and got to work. I just mixed a metaphor there. But Dr. Vora, I'm curious if people have felt that same sense of resolve in the communities that you deal with in Illinois. Yeah, I think that's part of the the great um, the great passion, the great uh, trust with one another, and this sort of resiliency to combat the issues of the day that are sort of built in the DNA of many of the rural communities uh, that we serve. And and I think part of the inspiration um, that that comes from those individuals knowing that they have to work together that they can make that change happen. And, and I think that has often energized our work uh, and energized our continued sort of partnership uh, to move those things forward. You know, rural communities are, are gonna be facing you know, some, some difficult circumstances now and into the future, but I think that resolve and that resiliency uh, makes me hopeful and confident that our rural communities can continue to grow, deal with those challenges uh, and have brighter futures. Well, Dr. Samir Vohra, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And Dr. Vohra, again, he leads the Department of Population Science and Policy at Southern Illinois University School of Medicine, which works with Central and Southern Illinois on a broad range of issues. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.